I don't know about you, but I'm sitting there just listening to you guys sing there that last song. Do you know how old that song is? 197 years old. And it's still so relevant today, it's unbelievable. And it was amazing listening to you guys just sing that. I, I was here Wednesday night. I came for the Awana night, and we had Awanas at my church for the last 20 years. So I enjoyed being here. And to the kids, man, y'all did a great job. And then to the adults who serve, I know how much time and effort put it in, and thank you for that. And then I went half the way through that, I went and joined the men's Bible study. And, and Joel does an amazing job leading that. And I hated to hear it was the last night. We pick it up later. So, because I enjoyed it. Guys, it was fun being with y'all and listening to all the insights. And then congratulations to the seniors. You made it. Means you're just getting started now. So enjoy your life and we'll pray the Lord richly blesses you in all that you do. All right. We're going to talk about raising kids. And I think I can finally preach on it now because mine have grown up and they're in their 40s and they're doing okay. So I, it was always a little tough when you're a young pastor trying to preach this because about the time you might say something, I could guarantee one of my kids would do something to make me look like a fool after I'd already said that from the pulpit. But I, I grew up in a different day like some of you here. When I grew up, family name was important. And my parents were always concerned about us representing our family well. I don't hear that anymore. I don't see that anymore. But as a kid, that was stressed to us over and over. My teachers and my coaches in the sports I played were always right. I was never right. My mom, when I'd come home, it didn't matter what I said went on. The teachers and coaches were always right. And if I got in trouble at school, I got in trouble at home. I was more scared of not getting in trouble at school, but getting in trouble at home. In fact, my senior year, somebody brought into math class a, a package of Oreos. That was a no-no in my day. You, nobody was to have any of that stuff in the classroom. But we were kids, seniors. And everybody was grabbing an Oreo out of there, and I grabbed one, and I was plopping it in my mouth when Mr. James walked into the classroom. He only saw one person eating an Oreo. <laughs> he said, Branson, outside, we're going to the office. That meant licks. So I stepped outside, and I waited. Now, I got licks playing sports, but it's a different thing if you go to the principal's office in my day. My parents, it would have been disastrous when I got home. And so when he came out, he said, Branson, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. Two licks or an F for the week. Let me pray about it. <laughs> F for the week. I won the national math test, so it wasn't any problem bringing my score back up. If mom and dad found out I was in the principal's office with licks, I was sunk. That's what it was like during my day. Uh, there was no discussion with us, with my parents. No me arguing back. They were always right. Uh, my parents would let me fail. If I messed up, they would let me fall flat on my face, but they'd help me back up. My mom got me a job at 12 mowing yards, and when I finished, she would walk the person's yard to make sure every blade was cut, everything was perfect, and if it wasn't, I had to go back and redo it over again. We went to church. Every time the doors were open, nothing interfered with church ever. No sports, nothing. That's the day in which I lived in. We ate supper every night at home. I didn't know what eating out was even about. My parents didn't believe in eating out. 
Well, we weren't that well off, but we never did. And we ate everything on our plate and never said one word. If you complained about what your mother put in front of you, you went to your room, the door was shut, and you went to bed with no food. I did that a few times before I learned that particular lesson. Uh, We were locked out of the house in the morning. I'm serious. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are looking like, that's crazy. Well, we lived in a different day. Mom would feed us breakfast and tell us to get lost. And we wanted to. We got our bikes. We went all over the city of Orange. We went to Lily Park. We played baseball all day long. We were allowed in the house at noon to eat lunch. And then we had to go back out. And we had to drink out of water hoses. I mean, it was a different day, but that's how we lived. And then at night, when it was about supper time, then we could come back in. Some of you remember that the news used to say every newscast, I think, in Texas and maybe around the United States during those days, it's 10 o'clock. Do you know where your children are? I think it's because they locked us out and they just want to make sure we made it back home. <laughs> and then one last thing. I was a channel changer. Some of you were channel changers. Some of you young ones are going, what is a channel changer? We didn't have remotes. We only had three stations. And my dad would be watching something and he'd turn and say, Steve, go change the channel. And I knew where we were supposed to go. Either four, six, or twelve. And I was a channel changer, and I was also the antenna mover around till I got his TV just right. So I know we live in a different day now than the day in which I grew up in, and some of that we'll never go back to. Some of it was good, maybe some of it wasn't, but that's what I grew up in. And so when we do this today, I'm going to be reminded of a pastor named Ike Reichert. He still pastors in Georgia. He's pastor of Piedmont in Marriott, Georgia. I heard him preach in the Panhandle many years ago. And he had a sermon he was telling us about in which he said the title was 10 Sure Steps to Raising Godly Children. The only problem with Ike was he he didn't have any kids. His first wife died during the birth of their first child, and he lost both of them. So he he went several years, he remarried, and so he didn't get kids till later. And he told us as later now he changed the sermon title. The title went from 10 Sure Steps to Raising Godly Children to three possible suggestions that may or may not help. (laughs) Guys, that is more real than, more truthful than just about anything I might say the entire day. I raised three, a girl and two boys, and you raise them different. They have different personalities, different things. But I want to get principles today. I won't get as much into practicality, but into biblical principles. And we're going to look at it from the New Testament. So if you take your Bibles now, turn to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4. And we'll mainly key 1 and 4 as we talk today. But would you stand with me as we read from God's Word? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so it may be well with you, and that you might live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Father, speak to us today. This really is a very important subject today, especially within the culture in which we live in. And Father, mainly as I speak to the men today, I pray, Lord, that you'll open our eyes and our ears to be able to see and understand your principles, your truths, your precepts when it comes to being able to 
fulfill the responsibilities that you have given us. Now watch over and guide us in all that we uh, do this day. And may you be honored and glorified is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I've said this earlier as we've been going through Ephesians, but the family part in Ephesians is not to the end. I have stressed that a couple times. As much as today in church we want to stress the importance of our families, it's the end of the letter. It's also at the end of the letter of Colossians, which has a very similar approach. And I think it's very important. So in order to get into parenting today, i got to make this point using the entire thing of Ephesians. Your salvation has to be real in Jesus Christ, and your new life in Christ has to be real if you're going to raise kids in a good way. Character matters. And how moms and dads live their lives, biblically obedient to the truths of God's Word, are very important. We are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. And one of the good works that you and I are supposed to do is in raising kids or in trying to help raise grandkids or even great-grandkids to be there. But it takes the character of the person to be able to impact and influence the kids that are around us. And so when I come to the point that I understand the grace that I have found in Christ, that though I was dead in my trespasses and sin, he has made me alive in Christ Jesus. He's raised me up and seated me in the heavenly places. And now he wants me to walk that good walk. And I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing that I I need. It's all been given to me. It's Ephesians 1. Everything's in place. And with the prayer that God would help us to understand the height, the depth, and the breadth, and the love of Christ, it should impact how you and I live every single day. And so as we start this new life, we laid aside the old life. I've raised up, and now we're in a new life. We've clothed ourselves in this new life. What does it look like? Well, it's stop lying, tell the truth. It's getting your anger under control. It's hard work taking care of yourself and not expecting others to do it. It's being careful in every word that you say, not just in church, but at home, at work, and in the public square. Being careful, speaking only that which edifies, and no sarcasm, no attacking. We were on the football field for the last few days. I've been on the field for 28 hours in the last two days. We've been having camp, so if I fall asleep during a sermon, you just quietly slip out because I'm, I'm dragging just a little at my age. But I, I got out there, and we have a new offensive coordinator, and I like this guy. And he, he would get in there with the kids, and we were learning this new offense, and they kept missing up and all day long yesterday, getting it wrong, getting it wrong. And he'd step in the huddle and say, now, boys, I'm not mad at you, but we got to learn this. And he just kept lifting them up, and by the end of the day, These young men are starting to get it in their heads what's going on. He didn't beat them down. He lifted them up. And I'm thinking, that's exactly what I'm thinking when I'm preaching this passage today. It's lifting each other up. You do that in your families. This is important. We ain't got it to what you do with your children. The character has to be there. You have to be a forgiving person according to what Paul said. No bitterness, wrath, or slander. Kids don't need to hear that. Doesn't need to be a part of their life. You need to be tender-hearted. You need to be able to forgive others, and they need to be able to see that as you talk around the table and as you live your life every day. And this is critical in our day. Your life better be morally clean. That is so desperately needed today, it is stunning. But morally clean, no immorality, no impurity, no greed, no cursing. Paul was very specific about that in there. And then a life filled with the Spirit, speaking and singing truth. 
giving thanks, respectful of all people. And then to finish it up, according to Ephesians, husband and wives and the family, they need to know that you care about each other and that you treat each other right. They need that desperately within the family. See, everything we do is to be based on our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As you received him, you came down one day in a Baptist church or some other church or at a camp or somewhere or at home, you accepted Christ in your life. You received him by faith. So by faith, you walk every single day hereafter. You give glory to the Father. I think this is critical in raising kids. I've seen too many kids broken. I was a youth director for seven years. I've seen too many kids broken because of brokenness within the family or the character of their parents and trying to overcome those struggles. So the key is going to be, do you take serious your faith in Jesus and walk with him? The second thing I want you to notice in our passage and going to verse 1 is children have to obey parents. And notice it says this, it's in the Lord. We want everything focused towards Christ, but this is right. One of the reasons for this is Proverbs says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child and the rod of discipline will move it from him. It tells us this, if a child gets his own way, it'll bring shame to his mother. More than it does to the dad, it will affect the mother if the child gets his own way. My wife and I were shopping at Walmart. We have a neighborhood Walmart by our house in San Antonio. And this was just before COVID, and we were in there. And so we're on the baking aisle. My wife needed some chocolate chips or something like that. And we come down the aisle, and there's a mom there with a four-year-old. And she reaches up, and she gets cocoa, a box of cocoa. She's going to bake something. And she puts it in her basket, and that little four-year-old girl began to scream at the top of her lungs, I don't want it. And the mom began to negotiate with the child that she needed that, and she kept saying, I don't want it. And this went on. I stopped. I just sat there and watched. I was spellbound at this, because if I'd have done that to my mom, y'all would have had another interim pastor today. (laughs) I'm serious. What shocked me the most was that the mom put it back. She put it back. Now, that's an extreme story. But when a kid doesn't obey and gets his own way, it's going to bring hurt to the family before it's over with. So when it says in verse 1, children, obey your parents and the Lord is right, that's what you want your kids to learn to do. They learn, need to learn to do what's right, how to make it happen in life. Because when it gets away from you, It doesn't change. We all have to learn to do what's right. We all have to walk in obedience to others. And if you ever get like I was a privilege of doing to go in the White House, you try to get in the White House. you got to jump through so many hoops to get into the White House, it is not even funny. And if you get up to the gate at the White House and you don't have all your papers in order, all your IDs in order, have everything done, they're going to tell you, sorry, you're not coming in. And it doesn't matter who you came with. It doesn't matter who influences. You're not coming in. See, we got to teach our kids to be ready to live in the world. You never know when they might do something like that, but it's just every day. We got to walk. We do right. We walk right. We, f- we follow obediently in things that we need to. On other things, we teach our kids how to stand if it, what they were being told to do is just not good, but they have to learn those kind of, of lessons. And Proverbs 22 6 says this. Most of you got this memorized. Train up as a child in a way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. May I also say, I think there's a negative to that also. If you train a child wrong, it's awful hard to change that later on in life. <clears throat> and may I say this about raising kids? It's amazing how fast it's over. 
It, to the younger ones, I know when you got little ones at home, it is a long night, and you're just so tired. Listen, the easiest you ever get is when they're young. Wait till they're in their twenties. They're more expensive, and they're more difficult problems that you face. But you got a short time with this. I mean, it's just a hand's breadth across the face, and they've grown up. I look at my grandkids now. <clears throat> One of my grandsons that plays football for me on the football team came walking by me the other day. He's been about 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, he walks by me 6'1". And I hadn't even noticed it. All of a sudden, I went, Caleb. We got out the tape measure and measured, and I got him about this much still. And I'm going, where did this come from? They change so quickly. You've got a short time. You want to get principles right. But that leads me to the last point, and this is where I want to spend the whole time. The New Testament only speaks to one person in the family for raising children. Who is it? Not mothers. Guys, it's you. It doesn't say mothers here. It says fathers. I think in our day there's such a need of men to be able to step up the plate in their own families, to be able to lead and guide. Now there's some families that's not possible, I know that. But young kids need you in their lives. First statement is a warning, dads. Look at verse 4. Do not provoke your children to anger. Colossians says a similar thing. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. My youngest, Jonathan, was doing something wrong one day. And it was time that I, I needed the discipline. This is more than just a word. I need to take it another step. And as I'm about to discipline him, he says, Dad, fathers are not supposed to exasperate their children. <laughs> we didn't have a wanna's in that day, but he had that verse memorized. I know I'm a preacher, but I looked at him and said, you don't even know what the word exasperate means, but in a few moments you will. <laughs> but what does that mean, not to provoke your kids to anger or to exasperate them? Guys, we have a tendency sometimes to be too tough. We can be a little bit louder than we need to be. My wife is always trying to correct my tone. I go, I don't have a tone, but she'll try to correct my tone, make it safe for them, her and the kids within the family. Sometimes dads aren't even there, and that provokes many a kid to anger. You need to be there. Men, when you're home at night, be home. See, being a pastor for 45 years, I love my job. That's why when you asked me to do this, I was glad to come and be of some help during this transition time. I love this job. I love, I can do it 24-7. I love retirement now a little bit more than I love the job. But I love the job. And it's easier for me to work 24-7. And my job sometimes requires 24-7. And I had to learn how to balance my family against my job and how to make certain I showed up for what the kids were doing. And I can tell you this, because my job's a 24-7 job. I can get called out in the middle of the night. I've had some unbelievable experiences of having to be at the hospital in the middle of the night, of dealing with families who lost loved ones during the middle of the night. And there are times that we had something special planned, and I had to go to the hospital. It was required. I did whatever it took to make it up. Was I perfect at it? No. But I, I knew how important Dad being there for the kids. And, and, and you've got to know this. I don't know how you ladies are, but I know how young men are. We like our dads watching. We like him to be in the stands if we're playing sports, seeing us do that. 
or if we're singing in a concert, if we're doing something, we like the fact that Dad sees us do that. The head of the Father's Initiative said that he, he taught there for a while the Kansas City Chiefs on being good fathers. And he said most of the guys on the Kansas City Chiefs did not have fathers. And he said, I would watch this. I'd be on the field with the guys before a game. And he says several of them would walk out on the stands in that huge stadium in Kansas City with all the red that they have for the Kansas City Chiefs. And they'd sit there and they'd just scan the audience. And he asked one of the guys one time, because he'd see them do this, what are you doing? I was hoping Dad would be here today. He'd never seen me play. He's now famous. He's powerful and he's strong. And yet his heart's still not what it ought to be because dad was never there. That provokes the anger. If you make a tragic and foolish mistake in your life, which many a man has done, it's amazing how much that hurts children. Even grown children, a close friend of mine's dad ran off with another woman and and dumped uh, my friend's mom, his wife. And my friend was the same age I was at the time, about 30, 31 years of age. He never got over it himself as a 31-year-old. I've watched teenagers go through this, and their heart's broken. Dads, make certain you walk careful. You've been gifted. You've been given a family. Walk with them. Do right. Don't let the influences and other things in life draw you away from the honor and the privilege that you have to be able to live life. Then this, treat their moms right. Treat them right. Safest place for your wife ought to be in the house. It's not always true. Man, it's your responsibility. It makes the kids safer. It makes life a little bit better because they don't see dad losing it and saying things. And remember this, when you're upset and you're losing it within the house, you can ask for forgiveness, but when the words go out, you cannot bring them back in. It will take a while to overcome the hurt that comes from words. You can eventually overcome it, but what's best? Don't say hurtful things. Don't lose your cool. Treat your family right in the midst of that. And then when it comes to sometimes discipline, my mom believed in the paddle. My dad believed in the belt. I have had a couple, it took me just a few times. My brother was a lot dumber than I was, so he got a lot more beatings than I did. But you don't hurt them, even in discipline. You can swat them a little bit. But you're not out to destroy them. You're not out to hurt them. You're out to get their attention and to tell them it's no. And then you wouldn't think I'd even need to say this, but don't you ever abuse any of your kids sexually. As a pastor, I've had to deal with that on 10 to 15 times or occasions. It has devastating impact and influence on their lives that they very rarely ever recover from when a dad violates them. So when I'm saying fathers don't exasperate your kids, it's more than just a paddling where they're a little aggravated with you. It's all aspects of life where you bring deep hurt within their lives, and it's hard for them to overcome. So don't exasperate. But second thing, you do have two responsibilities. Discipline. Discipline. It's the word padia in the Greek. It's training. It's correction. It's instruction. It's reprimand. It's a little of it all. Sometimes it's a little sterner voice. Sometimes it's quietly pointing. But your responsibility is to teach kids, to train them in life. On the football field these last three days, it's springtime. Football doesn't start till August 1. First game's not till August 11, a scrimmage. But we're already teaching them discipline. They're running. They're doing things over and over and over. We're trying to ingrain in them muscle memory, 
certain moves so when they're out on the field they can react so they can be good players well fathers that's what your responsibility is it's not always fun for your kids when you put discipline within their lives but the bible says when god disciplines us it's not fun the father disciplines us god deals with you as sons for what son is there whom a father does not discipline all discipline for a moment may not seem to be joyful but sorrowful yet to those who've been trained by it afterward it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness this discipline works you want your kids to live good lives. You want them to live peaceful lives. Scripture promises if you keep that discipline within their lives, and that means, I mean, I, I, I had to get up out of bed when mom said get out of bed. I had to clean the room when she said clean the room. I had to mow the yard when they said to do that. Those were responsibilities that she taught me. When I'm 16 and I come home from high school on my 16th birthday, on September the 15th, and it would have been 1969, I walk in the house. Mom said, get in the car. So I got in the car. We took off. She went to Big Star Grocery. We walked in. I thought we were shopping. She went up to Mr. Mendoza. Said, Steve's reporting for work. <laughs> I'm serious. She did that to both my brothers. She had us jobs on our 16th birthday. And we were not allowed not to work. We were not allowed not to be good. We were not, and then they would take our paycheck and keep most of it. And put it in a savings account. And I'd be upset. They're stealing my money. They're putting it in a savings account. But then my senior year, after a year and a half of working, I brought a brand new Volkswagen Beetle from the, floor, from the floor of the car dealership and paid cash. Boy, my parents were smart. I was so grateful for that. I drove that orange Beetle all the way to Austin at UT, and I fit right in perfectly with all of that. <laughs> but discipline's important, guys. Do not underestimate how important it is. And that's your job in bringing it there. And then lastly, men, teach your children. Instruct them in the Lord. That's what it says there in verse 4. And, and it's the last thing. Because I think we think, okay, my job, i got to teach the kids. No. First thing is character. Character. Second thing is treat the wife right. Now teach. Why? Because your words have validity. They mean something. Because you take them serious. So that's why I think it's the last statement. Deuteronomy says this. You know this passage. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. But then what does it say shortly thereafter? It says this. Teach your sons diligently. Talk about all of this when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, or when you get up. I'll just read part of it. Sidelight for a moment as a pastor. We stress family worship. We would do that too at our church. But this is more than family worship. I've known a lot of people do family worship moments and things don't turn out good. You know what I think? It's more than just a family worship time because if I do that, then I come out of the way. I don't have anything else to do for the rest of the time. No, it means all aspects of life. When you're sitting with your kids and you're working on a car with your sons, you can talk about the things of God. When you're out at the football field, as we did yesterday, one of our coaches gave one of the best lessons on perseverance I've ever heard from, from Ephesians. I went up to him, young man. I said, man, you nailed that one. Thank you. I, even, I enjoyed that. Uh, I didn't know he was that, getting ready, but he's going in the ministry. God's going to use this kid in a great way. But the kids were listening. They were paying attention. We do that on the football field. And when they lose it like they did yesterday in the huddle a couple times, we'd bring up what coach said. See, we teach all aspects of life all the time. As we're walking around, it's just who we are. 
Your, your words should demonstrate that this faith is real. The words that come out of your mouth reflect your heart. And if your heart is to love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, it's going to reflect it in your words. And you're going to teach your kids biblical truths. You know, I was blessed. I had one of the greatest dads ever. My dad's 5'7". I'm 6'1". My dad weighed 145. I weighed 225. I was a good athlete. He was a terrible athlete. But my dad was one of the finest men I've ever known. And he could be tough. He can be gentle. But all the way up to the end. My kids one day said, why are you doing this for your dad? I said, my dad got me through life. I'm going to get him through the final part. After all he's done for me, the least I can do for him is be there for him in his tough days. I remember there was a day that my, my dad's wife, he remarried after mom died 20 years ago, and Pat called me and said, your dad's having a bad day. I can't figure this out. I don't know what to do. And I went over there. My dad had dementia. And I walked in the house and said, Steve, you've got to get me home. I've got to get back. So what's going on, dad? I got a business deal. I got to get the business deal done. I said, What are we doing? I'm doing this. Begin to walk him through that. Okay, what, what do we need to get done? Instead of arguing with him, I let him talk with me. And then about two thirds away through what I thought would be a long afternoon, he looked at me and said, I don't really have a job, do I? I said, No, Dad. You don't mock your dad at that point. You don't make fun of him. You just walk with him through whatever goes on. But he did that for me. He was there when I was a little kid. He was there when I was in elementary school. He was there when I was in junior high. When I played sports, as busy as he was and traveled the world, he would be at almost every game. I think he only missed one or two my entire life. Was I a great athlete? No, but he was there to cheer me on and to encourage me in all that I did. And even as I got to be an adult, when I stood in Washington, D.C. to receive an award from General Jerry Boykin, my dad sat right there on the front row, and I greatest moment of my life was to be handed that award and see my dad's face. This, guys, your impact and influence on the kids is for the rest of their lives. And you need to live your life in such a way. And you do that by helping the discipline around the house, but teaching them every moment, up, down, in the car. You know, it was hard for a pastor to do family worship because of my schedule. You know when we did ours? When I lived in Spring Lake driving to Lubbock, 75 miles, we would have those discussions in the car driving to me making a hospital visit or to go check on someone. It needs to be a part of everything we do. And I wrap up with this. I had a women's clinic. I've said that before. We saw 7,000 women a year. I've said this before, but 90% of those 7,000 coming in every, every year to Life Choices Medical Center did not have fathers in their lives. Their lives were messed up and ruined because there was no dad ever there. And we would work with them and try to help them to come around. When there is no dad in their life, poverty is four times greater. Whenever there's no dad in their life, they're about 80% more likely to go to jail and spend time in prison. They're seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. Two times more likely to drop out of school. Drug and alcohol abuse is very prevalent among this particular group. So here's my challenge to you today. You want your kids to do well. And there is no greater joy than to sit in your chair, 70 years of age, and all your kids be in the house with your grandkids. And I'll just quietly sometimes sit there and go, man, it's turned out good. We've had our hardships. We've had our difficulties.
But man, this is good. This has been, I'm, I am so glad that I, I struggled through all of life and stayed in it and never quit. My mom drugged that into me that you never quit, and I'm grateful that I never did. And I get to, re, to receive now the fruit of all of that by just a quietness in my heart, a satisfaction that life is good, and a knowing that my kids and my grandkids know the Lord. I baptized every single one of them, kids and grandkids, but not just a baptism. They're faithful, and they're doing that. And for that, I am unbelievably grateful. I wrap down with this. Josh McDowell, got to meet him in Washington, D.C., and have dinner with him one night. We got to talk about raising kids. That's why he was there speaking. And he said this, and I wrote it down immediately on my phone. It's easier to build strong children than to fix broken adults. Don't forget, I think that's a powerful statement. It's easier to make strong kids than to fix broken adults. You know, I, I, I close with this. When I'm in college, the last thing on my mind was being a dad. I never even crossed my mind what it, to be a dad. It just, that wasn't there. So when Jan and I married... After about six months, she says, I would like to have a child before we leave Fort Worth because you'll be moving away. I want mom here. So we had a kid. I had no idea what you'd do with a kid. You can't get any dumber than I was when it comes to this stuff. I had a good example of mom and dad, but you don't know how stupid I was when it came to this stuff. Jan gave me Stephanie in the hospital room. First time I ever held sis. I'm sitting there looking at her. She's wrapped in that little bundle they do somehow. And you got them there. And I said, what does she look like? I mean, I don't know. So I'm unwrapping her on the bed. And there are the little feet and hands underneath all of that stuff. And Jan says, pick her up and burp her. Nobody ever asked me to do that. So I picked her up like a fragile toy. And I was going to put her on my shoulder. And I got about here. She, <laughs> my wife liked to die. Guys, I'm serious. I didn't know what I was doing. And then we brought Sis home. We're in seminary housing, 800 square feet, all hours. Old furniture from everybody else. We're sitting in our home, and Jan's sitting there holding Stephanie. We just walked in the door. She just sat down. She's tired. She'd had a C-section, so she's moving a little slow. She sits down, and she starts sobbing like a baby. My wife does, and I don't know what to do with it. I honestly have no idea what you do at that point, guys. And I looked at her and said, what's wrong? And sometimes that would get me in trouble when I'd ask that question. But I asked. She said, I don't know what to do. We're sunk. <laughs> but you know what? There are no manuals for your kids. There are a lot of how-to books, but a lot of them didn't turn out real good if you followed them exactly. You know what you do? You love your family. Well, first of all, you love the Lord. You love your family. Is it perfect? No. But you get up every day and strive to do right. And along the way, you start learning things. And ever so often, Jan would have to say, Steve, you're doing that wrong. Pay attention. I learned she understood that, especially with my daughter, because I didn't know how to handle you girls. I didn't have any sisters. Tammy didn't come until I'd left for college. But I had to learn. Am I smart about it today? No, I would still probably get it wrong half the time. But I know the principles. 
we show up and be what God's called us to be. And God will bless it. Train up a child in the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from where you've trained him. Father, we thank you for this day and for the privilege and honor you've given us to study your word. And as we've looked at a, a very important passage today, help us each to weigh it carefully of how it fits within our lives and that we will begin to follow you in obedience. For Father, I know that all the men in this room who have kids, they want nothing better than their kids to do well, to turn out well. So Father, help them be the kind of men they're supposed to be. Good, godly, righteous men who love their wives and who love their children and are there for them. Demonstrating the great truths of God's word and teaching them along the way. is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.